Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and we thank you for what it teaches us about our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you that as we open your word, we find out more and more about him and those things that we know about him are reaffirmed to us again. Lord, we pray that this may be a great time for the brothers and sisters in Christ who are here this morning to once again put their trust in Jesus Christ as the one who alone can save. And Lord, we do also pray for people this morning who may be here who are not brothers and sisters in Christ, who are still working out who Jesus is. Lord, we pray that you may make him known to them this morning by your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's many ways that you can be honoured in this life, but it's often very hard to take those honours upon yourself, to get those honours. Rather, you have to be given those honours by others or invited to do something that is honourable. When I was doing my undergraduate degree in podiatry, I was invited at the end of the third year, in my fourth year, to do honours. And so a bunch of people in the, in the year were invited to do it. it to do honours as part of your degree is not something you could just push your way into. You had to be invited to do so. My wife, Jill, was doing occupational therapy as well, as, um, and, uh, well, a few years uh, below me. But then when she got to her final year, she was also invited to do so. She went along not actually wanting to do honours. She decided, no, there was no way she was going to do it. It's a lot of extra hard work. But she went along to the meeting just to see who else was invited to do honours. Uh, she's a bit of a sticky beak. She likes to be nosy um, about different things. Whenever we're driving past something that is in, under construction, uh, she is always, oh, I wonder what they're building there. And so that natural uh, interest in her uh, in the, her surroundings and other people uh, is was there when she was going through uh, university. But we recognise that, that honours in this life Generally speaking, we have to be invited to do something that is honourable. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at an honourable office and how you get to do that honourable office. And that is the office of high priest. We've been working our way through Hebrews chapter 4 and then into chapter 5. And here in chapter 5, we've been speaking, we've learnt a bit about the high priest, what he is supposed to do. And now we come to verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 5 and we learn about our high, uh, high priests there and how they actually get to do the office. We understand what high priests do. Now we're to learn how do you get to do the job of the high priest. And firstly, that high priest job, is it a job that people would want to do? How do you get to do it and is it a job that you want to do? And that brings me to my first main point this morning. The high priesthood is an honour. The high priesthood is an honour. If you've got a church bulletin there, you can see on the back of the church bulletin uh, my main points this morning. And the first one is the high priesthood is an honour. It is a job that people would want to do. And we see that in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 5. If you've got a church Bible, you know, I encourage you to open it up to page 1186. 1186. And there we see in verse 4 that the high priesthood is described as an honour. We see that in verse 4. It says, No one takes this honour, referring back to the high priesthood mentioned in verse five, uh, verse 1, 2 and 3 of chapter 5. No one takes this honour upon himself. He must be called by God just as Aaron was. We see there that the high priesthood is described as an honour. And then we see in verse 5 that it's also described as a glorious office. 
Verse 5, so Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. Two words used to describe the high priesthood there in verse 4 and 5. Honour and glory. It is indeed an honour to be a high priest. Why is it an honour to be a high priest? Well, firstly, just to be a priest, not necessarily a high priest, but to be a priest was a great honour. What does a priest do? Well, a priest is someone who represents people to God. We see that described in verse 1 of chapter 5, which we looked at a few weeks ago. It says, Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters relating to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. You represent God and people to God. And that's an honour. You get to deal with God. Just think what it is to be an ambassador of an important country. That is a great privilege. It's a great honour to be an ambassador of an important country and to represent our country to another important country. If you were the ambassador of Australia in America, you would have relationships with the President of the United States and that would be an honour to do that. What an honour it would be to represent people to God, to actually be able to go before God and represent others. And then to be a high priest, not just a priest, but a high priest, the chief priest, the one who is above all the other priests, and there is only one high priest amongst the community of the Jews, was that would be the greatest of all privilege. You're not just a priest, you're a high priest. And you're able then to do things that other priests can't do, that other priests were unqualified to do so. So it wouldn't be surprising if everybody would really like to be the high priest. We should want to be a priest and then we should want to be a high priest, be the chief priest amongst all the other priests. So the question then is, how do you get that honour? It is an honourable role to be the high priest. How do you get that honour? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. High priests are called by God. High priests are called by God. And you see that in verse 4. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4 says, No one takes this honour upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. He must be called by God. God is the one who decides who gets to be the high priest. People might want the position and all want to put themselves into the role, but they must be invited to do so. Just think about your workplace. Can anybody waltz in and say, I'm going, to do, I'm going to work here today? No, they must be invited to become a part of your workplace. They can't just rock up and say, I'm now in charge. They might like to do the job. They might have a real interest in it. They might want to be a manager in your company and go and get the, the manager's salary. Um, but they can't just waltz in and take that job on. They must be called by people in a position of authority to be in that position. And so it is to be high priest. You must be invited to do so by God. He is the one who calls you to do that job, which means it really takes humility to be in that position of the high priest. It means you have to wait. You can't push yourself into the job of high priest. You must wait and for God to appoint you to that role. You cannot push your way in. 
and we see an example of someone who pushed their way in and bore the price in that reading that we had before from Second Chronicles chapter 26. Flip back with me to that, 448 of the church Bibles, 448, page 448, Second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26, we see this great king, Isaiah, do wonderful things. We see that he is someone uh, that is described in verse 4 as being someone who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. And then we see Chronicle there in Chronicles. What happens in Isaiah's life? How good thing, the many good things that he was able to accomplish as he followed God faithfully. But then what is Isaiah famous for? What did he do? Well, we see that in verse 16, page 448, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16. What do we read? But after Isaiah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn insult, uh, incense on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. They confronted him and said, It is not right for you, Isaiah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honoured by the Lord God. Isaiah, what has he done? He's gone in to the temple and started to do the job of a priest when he has not been assigned that role. And what is his reaction when these courageous priests come and confront the king, remembering he is the king of all Israel? Would you really want to go up to him and tell him what to do? They go up and they tell him what to do. And what does we read in verse 19? Isaiah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple. Leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. What happens when you put yourself into a role that only God invites you to do? Well, in this case, leprosy comes to this man, and for the rest of his life he has to live in seclusion as a leper, as a person who is unclean, who is unfit to be a part of the community of God because of what he had done in pushing himself into a role in which you must be invited by God to do. So we see in Hebrews chapter four and then, uh, 5 and then also in the Old Testament that we must be appointed to the role of high priest. If you're going to be the high priest, you must be appointed. You can't go waltzing into the job and appoint yourself to the office. So the question then is, were the priests, the high priests in the Old Testament called by God? Were they called by God? And that brings me to my third main point this morning. High priest Aaron was called by God to be a high priest. High priest Aaron was called by God. And we see that in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, page 1186. We see, it says there in verse 4, No one takes this honour upon himself. He must be called by God just as Aaron was. Just as Aaron was. 
And we see in the Old Testament, Aaron was indeed called by God to be a high priest. In Exodus 28, verse 1, God speaks to Moses and says, Have Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ethamar, so they may serve me as priests. God is the one speaking. He speaks to his servant Moses. And what does he say? The priests are meant to be Aaron and his sons. And then we see examples of Aaron's priesthood being affirmed again and again in the Old Testament as well. Numbers chapter 17. Uh, We see in Numbers chapter 17 that the high priesthood of Aaron is affirmed by a budding staff. God gets uh, some other people and they put their staffs in and overnight Aaron's staff buds and shows in comparison to the other staffs that don't bud that he is meant to be the one who serves as priest, he and his family. Now why would that whole staff budding incident happen? It was because of what happens in Numbers chapter 16. Come back with me to Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16, page 146, 146 of the church Bibles. Page 146 of the church Bibles. So now Aaron and Moses are in charge and Aaron is the high, high priest. And then we read in verse 1 of chapter 16 of Numbers, Korah, son of Ezar, and the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and On, son of Peleth, became insolent and rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, You have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? When Moses heard this, he fell face down. Then he said to Korah and all his followers, In the morning the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy, and he will have that person come near him. The man he chooses, he will cause to come near him. You, Korah, and all your your followers are to do this. Take censers, and tomorrow put fire and incense in them before the Lord. The man the Lord chooses will be the one who is holy. You Levites have gone too far. Moses also said to Korah, Now listen, you Levites, isn't it enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community and brought you near himself to do the work at the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community and minister to them? He has brought you and all your fellow Levites near himself, but now you are trying to get the priesthood too. It is against the Lord that you and all your followers have banded together. Who is Aaron that you should grumble against him? Then Moses summoned Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, we will not come. Isn't it enough that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the desert, and now you also want to lord it over us? Moreover, you haven't brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you gouge out the eyes of these men? No, we will not come. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, do not accept their offering. I have not taken so much as a donkey from them nor have I wronged any of them. Moses said to Korah, you and all your followers are to appear before the Lord tomorrow, you and they and Aaron. 
Each man is to take his censer and put incense in it, 250 censers in all, and present it before the Lord. You and Aaron are to present your censers also. They're being told, do the job of a priest. Come and make an offering before God, and you will see who are priests before God, who God has called as priest. And so in verse 18 we read, So each man took his censer, put fire and incense in it, and stood with Moses and Aaron at the entrance to the tent of meeting, which is the equivalent of a temple, but in its early stage. Then when Korah had gathered all his followers in opposition to them at the tent of the meeting, of the glory of the Lord appeared to the entire assembly. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Separate yourselves from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. But Moses and Aaron fell face down and cried out, O God, God of the spirits of all mankind, will you be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins? God's going to destroy all of the Israelites. And then verse 23 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the assembly, Move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Moses got up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He warned the assembly, move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them, or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they moved away from the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. Dathan and Abiram had come out and were standing there with their wives, children, and little ones at the entrance to their tents. Then Moses said, this is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things, and that it was not my idea. If these men die a natural death and experience only what usually happens to men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something totally new and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that belongs to them and they go down alive into the grave, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. As soon as he finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their households and all Korah's men and all their possessions. They went down alive into the grave with everything they owned. The earth closed over them and they perished and were gone from the community. At their cries, all the Israelites around them fled shouting, the earth is going to swallow us too. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. Here is a direct challenge in the Old Testament to the authority of Moses and to Aaron as high priesthood. These men were saying, who's Aaron? Who's Moses? We too can be priests. We can put ourselves into the role of priesthood. What happened? The earth opened up and swallowed them. Fire came out from God and burned them to death. So we see in the Old Testament that Aaron's priesthood is affirmed by God. He is called by God to be priest and then affirmed with drastic action when other people try to push themselves into the role that Aaron is supposed to do. So you, can, you don't need the author of Hebrews to tell you that Aaron was called by God to be high priest. The Old Testament testifies to it, but Hebrews also affirms it. But then the question is, okay, well, Aaron was clearly called by God to be high priest. What about Jesus? In previous weeks, I've spoken again and again about Jesus being high priest. Was Jesus called by God to be high priest? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. High priest Jesus was called by God. High priest Jesus was called by God. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 5 as well. Turn back with me to 1186 of your Black Church Bibles. Hebrews chapter 5. 
and we read there in verse 5, So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son, today I become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus was called to be high priest, the point of the author of Hebrews is making here as well. Just as Aaron was called, so Jesus was called. And he backs it up with proof text from the Old Testament. The first proof text, though, is a bit odd, isn't it? Because it doesn't actually talk about high priesthood. So we see there in verse 5, it says, So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son, to that day I become your father, which is a quote from Psalm 2. And, of course, it has been quoted earlier in Hebrews, back in Hebrews chapter 1, to, to acknowledge who Jesus is, that he is God himself, he is God's son, and is worthy of great honour. But that's not actually talking about his priesthood. Now, some commentators do think that that affirms his priesthood. One commentator said, uh, the position of divine son carried with it, in some sense, the role of high priest. The position of divine son carried with it in some sense the role of high priest. I'm not sure that really makes much sense. Just because he is a son, does that automatically make him a high priest? I think the reason we've got this quote from Psalm 2 is actually because it's showing that the same God who called Jesus his son also affirms him as high priest. And I think the NIV translation is actually kind of misleading here in the way it's joined these two uh, quotes together. And so an actually a better translation comes from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And if you actually flip to the back of your church bulletin, I thought it was such a good translation. They've actually printed it there on the back so that you can understand why Psalm 2 is quoted next to Psalm 10, uh, 110. Read there with me. It's printed in italics under the main points. It says, In the same way the Messiah did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father, also said in another passage, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. See the difference? Psalm 2 is quoted as the one who said today... Uh, you are my son, today I have become your father, also said something else about that same individual who is the son. What did he say? Psalm 110, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. What I think the author of Hebrews is trying to do is show, and that's a valid translation from the Greek, he's trying to show that the same God who said, you are a son, also said, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so we see that Jesus has been appointed to the office. He was called to be high priest because God said in Psalm 110 about the same person that is meant to be the son of God that you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He calls him a priest there and in this order of Melchizedek. Now what the order of Melchizedek means we'll actually look at when we get to chapter 7 of Hebrews. We'll look in great detail about who Melchizedek is and his order and how that relates to Jesus. I think Psalm 110 is quoted here just in verse 6 to just point out that Jesus was called by God to be priest. I think it's important to really focus on the whole uh, issue of Melchizedek at this point. The author's point at this uh, part of the letter is just to emphasise that Jesus did not usurp the office of high priest. He was indeed called to be high priest. Just like he was, God said, you are my son, 
He also said, you are a priest. So we see that Jesus had the great humility to be someone that was, who, who had the office appointed to him, that he was appointed to that office. He didn't force himself into the office of high priest. God appointed him to it. He was invited to be high priest. So the question then remains this morning. We see that a high priest must be appointed by God. The question then remains is, who is your high priest? It's an honour to be a high priest. It's an honour to have a high priest represent you. Who is your high priest? Well, maybe some of you think, oh, I don't have a high priest. Let me tell you that everyone has a high priest. Everybody recognises that they do wrong things. Everybody recognises that they sin. And most people recognise that there is a God who is angry about their sin. So what do most people do for a high priest? They have themselves as high priest. They think that, yes, I've done wrong things, but when it comes to dealing with God, I'm sure I can work something else. I might be able to sweet-talk him over to letting me into heaven, or I'm, I, can rep, I can offer sacrifices myself. I can offer my own good works to God, and I will, as high priest for myself, make up for my sins. People may not call themselves a high priest, but that's what they do. Every time someone says, I think I'm, I've done some wrong things, but I'm not all that bad. I've got some good things about me. They're already functioning as a high priest before God. They're saying, my good things, my good works, outweigh my bad works. And I'm sure I can offer my good works to God, and I'll be acceptable. They're functioning as their own high priest. But remember... High priests must be appointed to the office. If not, what happens? The earth opens up and swallows you down. Leprosy comes out. You're separated as unclean from God. Fire comes and destroys you. Those three things that we looked at, what happens to people who try to be a high priest in the Old Testament, sound a lot like hell. What is hell? a sense of separation from God. That's what happened to Isaiah as he became unclean, separated from the community of God, separated from God by not allowed to go into the temple. That's what hell will be. You'll be separated from the community of God. You won't be in heaven. What else is hell? Well, we have a pit, a bottomless pit in, in Revelation is described as the earth swallowing up. Korah and his rebels sounds a lot like hell. Fire coming out from God to those rebels. Hell's often described as a place of fire. Do you really want to be your own high priest? To take on that office when you have not been called to it? To try and offer sacrifices, not maybe animals, but your good works to God and think that you'll be okay because, after all, you can represent yourself. You must be called by God to be high priest. Otherwise, there are serious, serious consequences. You must have an acceptable high priest be your high priest. So who should you have as high priest? Well, it's got to be Jesus Christ, the one who was called to be high priest, the one who is high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Who is high priest right now? Is it Aaron and his sons? No. A different order of priesthood has arisen And that is Jesus Christ in the order of Melchizedek and he is priest forever. That means ever, 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 for eternity. 
That means right here and now, even though it's 2,000 years since Jesus lived on this earth, he is still high priest and he will be forever. So what does that mean? You need Jesus Christ as your high priest. And if you're not a Christian, I encourage you, make him your high priest today. Ask him to be your high priest. In your heart, say to him now, Jesus, be my high priest. Represent me in matters relating to God. Offer gifts and sacrifices for my sins. And if you do that, and you do it in earnestness, he is your high priest. If you do it in all sincerity, he is your high priest. And if you are a Christian, I encourage you to continue clinging on to Jesus as your high priest. Remember, the book of Hebrews was written to Christians who were thinking of going back to their old ways and having Aaron as their high priest again. It's so tempting for us as Christians when trouble comes along to want to go back to our old system, which is generally having us represent ourselves before God. Don't do it. Affirm to God again that Jesus is your high priest. Do it now. I think all of us should be doing it in our hearts right now. Affirm again to God, Jesus is my high priest. Because if he is not, then you've got somebody representing you who is not called by God to the office. And God takes that very seriously. You need Jesus as your high priest. Affirm it again to him now. Let us do that in prayer. Let us come before our God. Heavenly Father, we want to come before you this morning, recognising we are sinful creatures. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed again and again and again. And Lord, we need a high priest to come before you and offer gifts and sacrifices for those sins. And therefore we come to your word and we see that we need a high priest who has been appointed by you. All high priests must be called by you. So, Lord, we come and beg that Jesus Christ is our high priest. You have told us in your word that he is one who is called by you to be high priest forever. He is the only high priest who can offer sacrifices for our sins. So, Lord, we come before you and affirm that Jesus Christ is our high priest. We pray that he may always be so that you may continue to uphold the promise you have made in your word, that he is indeed high priest forever, and so that forever we are acceptable before you because Jesus Christ, our great high priest, lives forever to intercede for us. And we pray this in his name. Amen.